Hi, this is Vlita with Women Ministering, a place for women changing their world by sharing God's love. And today we're going to talk about how to increase your faith. And we're going to look at nine powerful steps to do that. If you're a Christian, you've probably heard a lot about faith, and yet you still might have questions. Faith is one of those things that is impossible to describe because nobody can see it. You can kind of feel it inside, but that's about all. So let's look at how to increase our faith through these steps and hopefully answer some of those questions at the same time. Like I said, you can't see God and you can't see faith. It's an intangible thing that can't be measured. And in human terms, we have a need for our senses to be involved in our everyday lives, um, like sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, you name it. We, we need those things. But with God and with faith, those really aren't involved in the way that we wish they were. Um, I've never physically smelled, tasted, or touched God. Um, Christians do talk about hearing God, and we say, say things like, God told me. And generally, what we're talking about is a voice in our inner man. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and he speaks to us and through us, that means that once we're tuned in to that voice and we learn to distinguish it from just our own thoughts, then we say that God said. And usually we're not talking about an audible voice. Um, the seeing part of faith is described in Hebrews 11.1 1, this way. Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. So, how do we increase our faith? Well, it's believing in the unseen, which to a lot of people sounds really ridiculous. What do you mean you believe in a God you can't see, touch, feel, taste? That makes no sense. Well, in fact, we believe to the point that the unseen is more real than what our five senses encounter and encompass. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. It's the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. So this invisible force called faith assures us of the hope that we have in Christ. It's a solid conviction we maintain that there are realities we've never seen. So how do you grow something you can't see? Well, you may not see it, but you can feel it inwardly. And you can see its results in your life. You can know about its life-changing impact um, in your heart and in your mind. And you can grow that invisible thing called faith. The very first way is by studying the word. When we accept Christ as our savior, then God gives us a measure of faith. Romans 12:3 in the voice says, because of the grace allotted to me, I can respectfully tell you not to think of yourselves as being more important than you are. 
Devote your minds to sound judgment, since God has assigned to each of us a measure of faith. John 3.16 says, For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique Son as a gift. So now every, everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. And we have faith in that. And God gave us a measure of faith to be able to believe that. At salvation, when we believed in Jesus and confessed it, we believed in someone we couldn't physically see. But regardless of that, God gave us a measure of faith. And from that beginning point, we're to live a life of faith. Um, and just like it is with our physical life, growth is required. So the first avenue of growth in the natural is food. It's the same in the spiritual. We need food. And that's the Bible. That's God's word. It is food for us. And the only way that we're fed is by studying it and taking it into us. Um, not just reading a scripture every day, although there's not, that's a great thing to do, but study is something much different than that. And the word tells us why we need the word. In Romans 10, 17, NIV, it says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So that's what the word gives us. And it helps our faith grow. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 in the Passion says, Every scripture has been handwritten by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully matured and perfectly prepared to full fulfill any assignment God gives you. Psalm 119, 15-16 in the Passion says, I set my heart on your precepts and pay close attention to all your ways. My delight is found in all your laws, and I won't forget to walk in your words. 2 Timothy 2.15 in the Passion says, Always be eager to present yourself before God as a perfect and mature minister who correctly explains the word of truth. We need the word. We strengthen our faith by hearing the word and by taking it into us, making it part of us. The word itself empowers, corrects, instructs, gives strength, keeps us on God's path, makes us mature, makes us perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment. That's all part of faith because faith is an action word. The magnitude of the wisdom in the Bible requires study. There is so much there. We can't just do like a little cursory glance or a forced reading. We all know the difference that it made in our grades in school when we actually studied for the test, not just scanning over the material hoping we got it. And it's the same in life. The word is food that builds our faith and requires true study. Step two is live the word. 
Jesus is the bread of life. And when we eat physical food, we take it in and it becomes part of us. The word's the same. It becomes part of us. When we eat that food, we're energized. We can go out and live. Without food, we die. So here are three ways to make the word part of your being. Study it, live it, and know it. Those three will result, will, will result in the growth of your faith. Study causes you to know. Once you know something, then you can live it. Living then deepens and strengthens your knowledge of the word, causing you to have a desire to study even more. And so it begins to come, become this beautiful circle that keeps us strong and our faith growing. There's no prescribed way that you have to study the Bible and really no special tools required. You just need a Bible. And really today, there isn't an excuse for anyone to say they can't study the Bible. If you have a computer or a smartphone or a tablet, you have every tool you need and an abundance of them are free. There are so many studies available for free online to help you do an in-depth study of the Bible. All of the commentaries are on the internet and they're free. You can go to biblehub.com. You can go to biblegateway.com. You can go to blueletterbible.com. You can go to the Bible Project. There are so many of them. You can see things in the Hebrew and Greek. You can see definitions and commentary and all kinds of versions of the Bible. So the tools are there. We need to live the word. We need to live it like Christ because we're striving to be like him. Every day we have the wonderful opportunity to be more like him in every way. So studying and making the word part of you gives you the ability to live the word. Living the word makes your faith stronger. When you're at work, the more you live out the requirements of that job, the better you become at it. And every day you practice and learn and you get better and better. And how much more should that be true in our spiritual lives? James 1.22 in the voice says, put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you're going to find you've been deceived. Matthew 7.21 in the voice says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Simply calling me Lord will not be enough. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will join me in heaven. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 in the voice says, So it comes down to this. Since you have been raised with the anointed one, the liberating king, set your mind on heaven above. The anointed one is there, seated at God's right hand. Stay focused on what's above, not on earthly things, because your old life is dead and gone. Your new life is now hidden, enmeshed with the anointed who is in God. So the word is meant to be lived, not just heard. Step three is to know the word. And when I say know, I mean having an intimate and thorough knowledge of it, 
I'm not talking about just memorization. Memorization is great, but sometimes we can memorize something that we very quickly forget or we don't really, it's not something we're putting into practice, it's just something we memorized. And while it's really good, not everybody can do it. However, everyone can know the Word of God well enough to be able to discern a truth from a lie when it comes to teaching about the Word. We're told in the Bible that we need to know the Word so well that we can tell when someone is twisting it or telling an out-and-out lie about it. Um, I often refer to a scripture in the book of Acts about the people from the town of Berea. They were commended for one little action they took, which really wasn't little. But the apostles had come to their city and they were teaching about Jesus and telling the, the people how the Old Testament, um, the only written scripture at that time, foretold the coming of Jesus. And here's what was said about them in Acts 17, 10 to 11 in the Passion. That night, the believers sent Paul and Silas off to the city of Berea, where they again went into the synagogue. They found that the Jews of Berea were more no of more noble character and much more open-minded than those of Thessalonica. They were hungry to learn and eagerly received every word. Every day, they opened the scrolls of Scripture to search and examine them to verify that what Paul taught them was true. You need to examine the word for yourself. For instance, go to the Bible yourself to see if my words are true. Go to the Bible to see if what your pastor is preaching is true. Go to the word to check everything and then know it well enough that you don't even have to go back and check every time because boom, you immediately recognize that something isn't quite correct. Don't just blindly accept what someone says. Search and examine the word to verify every teaching you hear. The word is going to build your faith in God because you're going to know him and you're going to know his words. His word tells you who and what he is, what he wants, how he wants you to live. It gives you all the guidance and direction you need. Step five is pray at all times. Our faith is in God. He's a living being, as is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. Now, could you imagine having someone live in your house, but you never spoke to them? You didn't know anything about them? That would be really weird and uncomfortable, I think. How would you get to know them? Well, you would talk to them, and you'd share things back and forth, and you'd find out things about each other's lives. Um, I have lots of friends, and we get together and we talk. And we share about our lives, ourselves, internally. If I'm struggling, I can call one of them and talk, and I can tell them what's going on. If something wonderful happens, I want to tell somebody about it. And it's the same with family, close friends, acquaintances, fellow churchgoers, and co-workers. We talk to them. Some are close, intimate friends, and some aren't. But we talk at some level to all of them. 
So in order to know God, you need to converse with him in prayer. You talk and he listens, he talks and you listen. That's a conversation. And we need to have those with him all the time. 1 John 5.14 in the Passion says, Since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness before him. For if we present any request agreeable to his will, he will hear us. So that tells you you're talking to God. He hears you. Ephesians 6, 17 to 18 in the Passion says, Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies, and take the mighty, razor-sharp, spirit sword of the word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God on all the believers. Mark eleven twenty four says, This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask in, in prayer. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Notice the actions that were involved. There's boldness, present, embrace, pray, passionately, intercede, boldly believe. And the action continues in the next three verses that I'm going to read you. There are words like be saturated, offer, tell, be faithful to pray, celebrate, pray constantly, and give thanks. Philippians 4, 6 in the Passion says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Colossians 4.2 in the Passion says, Be faithful to pray as intercessors who are fully alert and giving thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.15-18 in the Voice says, Make sure no one returns evil for evil but always pursue what is good as it affects one another in the church, but also all people. Celebrate always, pray constantly, and give thanks to God no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. This is God's will for all of you in Jesus the Anointed. So there you have it. We're to be praying all the time. Step five is to pray in all circumstances. Prayer and all are the key words. We need to pray regardless of how we feel, what our circumstances are, or timing. I've prayed a lot of prayers when I did not feel like praying. I prayed in the worst of circumstances and in the best. And I've prayed and heard absolutely nothing from God. And I've also prayed and heard everything I needed from God. So there's no rules about it except that you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying. Step six is to submit all to God through prayer. I've submitted my life and circumstances to him when I didn't want to because I was miserable. But I obeyed the word and I did it anyway. And guess what? The circumstances didn't change but I did, and I found contentment and peace. 
he is with us all the time, so we need to communicate with him all the time. Step seven to grow your faith is to spend some time with friends who challenge you to be better than you are right now. Not, and I don't mean in a confrontive, oh, you need to grow up kind of way. Um, I mean in a uplifting and encouraging way or not with words at all, but just by their example. So what does that have to do with faith? Well, we're created to need one another. God wanted fellowship with us and Jesus restored that relationship so that we could communicate and share our lives with him. And it's important to be in fellowship with other Christians because together we are the body of Christ. And I'm not just referring to being in church when I talk about fellowship. I've been in church my entire life, but I know a lot of very committed and wonderful Christians who aren't in any church. So I'm not trying to push that, but I am saying that we need fellowship with other believers. The people that I know who are not in church do have fellowship with other believers through various um, types of meetings, whether it's an informal, hey, let's go have coffee, or whether it's a once a week, let's get together and pray type of thing. So growing our faith through fellowship involves three things. Regular time with friends who challenge us to grow in Christ, teaching that encourages and builds our faith, and involvement that activates our faith. We're stronger together. There's no question about it. And accountability needs to be part of our lives. I need somebody who knows me well enough to hold me up when I'm weak. And I also need someone who knows me well enough to lovingly tell me when I'm wrong and help me get back on track. I need somebody I can complain to, cry on, laugh with, brainstorm with, build up and be built up by as we share our life together. Build your faith through fellowship and it does strengthen your faith. When you see someone else going through something, you see them struggling and then overcoming, then it's this silent message to you that, wow, they made it. Okay, then I can too. And I'm encouraged in my faith when I see that. When I'm low and they help me up, my faith is built through that. The New Testament talks about fellowship. And so we need to take that exhortation and put it into action in our lives. Step number eight is to build your faith through teaching. Acts 2.42 in the voice says the community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying. 1 Corinthians 14.26 says, what should you do then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each person has a vital role because each has gifts. One person might have a song, another a lesson to teach, still another a revelation from God. One person might speak in an unknown language, another will offer interpretation. But all of this should be done to strengthen the life and faith of the community. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of the anointed one richly inhabit your lives, 
With all wisdom, teach, counsel, and instruct one another. Sing the Psalms, compose hymns and songs inspired by the Spirit, and keep on singing, singing, sing to God from hearts full and spilling over with thankfulness. So fellowship is an active entity that builds our faith. It changes us and it changes others. Step nine is to build your faith through involvement. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion. Acts, you're doing something by finding creative ways to encourage others and then they're acting. Doing the beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Romans 1:11-12 says, I yearn to come and be face to face with you and get to know you, for I long to impart to you the gift of the Holy Spirit that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Now this means that when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. 1 Thessalonians 5, 10-11 says, He gave his life for us that we may share in resurrection life in union with him, whether we're awake or asleep. Because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another, just as you have already be, been doing. There are three parts to the Christian fellowship that we seek, and they all involve faith. Faith is an active word. It's a noun, but it's also a verb. James said that faith that doesn't go to work, isn't doing something, is phony. James 2, 14 to 17 in the Passion, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, Goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. James 2.26 says, For just as the human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. We need to build life-changing faith. True life-changing faith produces a desire in us to help others just like Jesus did. Jesus didn't go sit in a hut somewhere and wait for people to come to him. The Father said go, and then Jesus told us to go. We go in order to act on our faith, to do something. Works of faith include everything from praying for someone to smiling at a stranger who's having a bad day. It can be a card that's sent to encourage or hugging a friend who's grieving. 
Um, it does include sharing the gospel, but you can share it with and without words. Faith shares itself with others to build them up and encourage them. You're not the great convictor. The Holy Spirit is the one who does that. Your only job is to just go share, why do you have hope in you? Tell somebody why. Tell them what God just did for you if they ask. So a summary of the nine ways to grow your faith in God is first through the word, study it, live it, know it. And then through prayer, pray at all times, in all circumstances, submitting all to God. And then Christian fellowship. It is time spent with friends who lovingly challenge you upward. It's teaching that encourages you in your faith and its involvement to activate and grow your faith. Through good or bad, our faith is the most important sustaining factor in our lives. It really is. Our faith can help us take dominion over our emotions, carrying them to the cross as we obey the word, regardless of how we feel. We do it because of the faith in our lives. Because the word, prayer, and fellowship are all active and not passive, they change us. The word is alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than any two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. Now, that's a scary scripture. <laughs> Unless you look at it with faith and through the eyes of God's love. Prayer also produces life in us and others. James 5.16 says, Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Fellowship also encourages us to be like Christ and to live life in Christ. Romans 12, 9-10 says, Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. So we can receive all that God has for us by opening ourselves up to grow our faith. We need to be encouraged and inspired to flourish in every area of our lives. And we need to let the love of, of God flow richly through us. Um, I have a new ebook course called Preparing Your Heart to Receive More of God. And it's a 14-day course that will enable you to take in all that God has for you by cleansing your heart and mind. You can be inspired to flourish through it. You can make your heart ready to be fertile ground for God to pour in even more of himself and his life into you. 
Um, you can find it on the website. Go to the main page. It's womenministering.com, and you will see um, WM Resources, and just click on that, and you can purchase it. It's only $6, and then you can download it. Um, also, on the blog, there are some scriptures that are used in this study, and you can also download them for free. They're PDF files, so you can do that. And I just, again, I want to encourage you to grow in your faith. Don't be stagnant. Take these steps. They're not hard. They're not going to overwhelm your life to the point that you can't live. Instead, they're going to enrich your life. And I thank you and blessings to you in Jesus' name. And thank you for listening.